Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. As you probably know, we are in a mini-series talking about Isaiah 61.3, where we are told that God will give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Last week, I had Pat Wentworth and Carol Kiefer join me to talk about the oil of joy for mourning. And I want to spend another week talking about this, especially as God showed me something about this that I have never realized before. Let's start and work our way backwards. What I mean by that is let's talk about the word mourning when he says the oil of joy for mourning. Did you know there is a difference between mourning, M-O-U-R-I-N-G, mourning and grief? Mourning is the expression of deep sorrow for someone who has died. Grief is what we think and feel on the inside when our child or someone we love dies. The loneliness, the fear, the depression, the emptiness. So mourning is the outward expression of our grief. So mourning is the act of sorrowing. It's the showing, the expression of that pain, that loneliness, that emptiness. And To me, this is huge because I always thought of this verse meaning God would replace my grief with joy, but that's not what he is saying. He is saying that he will take away my need to express my grief, and I love this. We will grieve for the rest of our lives, but we won't always mourn. We won't always have a need to express our pain. And especially when I was fresh into this, many of you have heard me say, I would want to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Laura, and my daughter died. It was like a a part of who I was, and I, I needed people to know that. And I know that I expressed my sorrow very much so. And when we're at the beginning of this, we can't help it. We're just immersed in that. It's on us. We have to go through that deep, deep, dark part of grief. But we won't always have a need to express that grief and that pain that we're feeling inside. And one thing that I just discovered in studying this out to be able to share it with you is that the Hebrew word for mourning, and I probably won't say it right, is shloshim which refers to the 30 days a loved one would practice mourning rituals after someone's death. And this includes reciting what is called the mourner's Kaddish. And I want to read part of it to you. They will say, this is part of it, may his great name be blessed forever and to all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified, exalted and extolled, honored, adored and lauded be the name of the Holy One, Blessed be he, beyond all blessings, hymns, praises, and consolations that are uttered in the world. Like I said, that's just part of the prayer, the Kaddish. The entire prayer, though, never mentions death or dying. And this is the prayer of mourning. 
that they repeatedly say during these 30 days. But instead, this prayer proclaims the greatness of God. And by reciting it, mourners show that even as their faith is being tested by their loss, they are still affirming the greatness of God. Which leads me to talk about how we're told that God will give us the oil of joy for our mourning. And this is another thing that was a new thought to me. We're not told he will give us joy. He will give us the oil of joy. And I really think there's a a bit of a difference here. Oil is something that's poured out. It slips in, it spreads out, it fills in cracks and holes, and oil represents the Holy Spirit. We are given God's spirit of joy. It just kind of comes in and fills us in those empty places. It can fill up the the cracks and shattered places of our heart. We don't have to conjure up our own joy. We rest in his joy. We rest in the Holy Spirit who's in us to pour in that oil of joy in us. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and that means the seed and the fruit of joy is in you. It's in me. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Jesus tells us that's the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That is his kingdom, and those are all in the Holy Spirit who is in us, which means joy is already in us. In Isaiah 61 verse 3, the Hebrew word for joy, and once again, I probably won't say this right, is sasson, which is often translated in scripture as our word of joyfulness or gladness. Now, I know there are a lot of Christians who will say that God is not interested in our comfort or our happiness. And personally, I really quite don't understand that. Jesus tells us himself in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And I am pretty sure he was not talking about riches and big houses and whatever we want, but he was talking about having life abundantly as a fullness in our hearts that goes beyond our circumstances. If God sent Jesus to save us, doesn't it make sense that he would not allow our pain, our grief, and our mourning to become the thief that destroys us? How often are we told in both the Old and the New Testament that someone was rejoicing about something God did? And to me, that means they were happy. I will agree that happiness is based on circumstances or what is happening. There is a difference between being happy and being joyful. Happiness, it is an emotion in our soul based on the feeling of our soul and what's going on around us, what's happening. Joy is in our spirits. And that's why it's possible to have joy when we're not happy or when these horrible things have happened. However, happiness is often an expression of our joy. Kind of like mourning is the expression of our grief. Happiness can be an expression of our joy, of where our spirits are. 
The word joy is used 93 times in the Old Testament, and it is a Hebrew word that means glee or exceeding joy. In the book of Esther, after the plot to kill the Jews is exposed and overturned, Mordecai comes out of the king's palace wearing royal garments of blue and white and a large crown of gold and a purple of fine linen. And he comes with the Jewish people to celebrate with gladness and joy. And it's that word, sesson, and honor. And you can find that in Esther chapter 8. We can find a lot of scriptures in the New Testament that link joy with being happy or rejoicing. Jesus, in Luke 15, talks about being the good shepherd who will lead the 99 sheep to search for the one who is strayed and how he rejoices when he finds that lost one. He tells us how the father gets so excited when a wayward son or daughter comes back to him. In Acts chapter 13, we read that the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Joy and laughter, happiness with laughter, are important in our lives. I believe God made it that way. He wants us to have happiness, not living in that constant happiness or expression of joy. He wants us to live in a place of joy, but he also created us to be happy. How do I know that? Because of laughter. The physical healing that takes place in our bodies with a good laugh is incredible. I'm not going to go into that, but it releases endorphins. It releases dopamine. There are all kinds of things that happen in our body healing that happens when we have some good laughs. And God is the one who created our bodies, right? So he's the one who created our bodies to respond in a healing way to laughter, which to me means happiness is important to him. Now, as I'm recording this, I'm thinking, then why did he allow my child to die if happiness is so important to him? I can't answer that question. But what I can tell you is there is still joy and happiness on the other side of this darkness. I'll talk a little bit maybe about how this works, okay? Let's let's keep going here. Psalm 2 verse 4 says that God sits on his throne and he laughs. He's laughing at those who think he doesn't have power, okay, and can do whatever they want and try to put him in his place, and he laughs at that. Ecclesiastes says there is a time to laugh. In Job chapter 8 we read that he will fill your mouth with laughter. I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. I'm not telling you this to say that we are to live from a place of happiness and laughter with our child gone. That is impossible. What I am saying is that God wants to replace your mourning. Let's go back to that. Your expression of the pain of missing your child with his spirit to eventually be able to express joy and even happiness for the good things that are still in your life and are yet to come, things that you don't even know about that are going to bring you joy and happiness beyond this pain. I think the first step we need is to even believe that having joy in our lives again is possible. And then we have to want it back into our lives. I know that can be hard because we feel like, how could I ever want to be happy when my child isn't here? Well, because your child is ecstatically happy now. 
your child, my child, Becca, they're living in that place of constant happiness, euphoric happiness. That is where they are right now. They are more full of life than we are. They are not coming down. They're not in and out of this joy and happiness. That is where they are set in where they are now. And so when we look at that, I don't have to feel guilty that my child isn't here to enjoy life and to be happy again. They are in a better place of happiness, more than what we can ever experience here on this life. So it's okay for you to move in this direction and to even want to have joy in your life again and to want to have moments of happiness that express that joy in you, in your spirit. I personally could not see myself living out the rest of my life, just living in the shell of my body, waiting to die to go be with Becca. I had to do something to get myself out of that place. And joy comes from a place of hope. Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous brings joy. So that's where it starts. And once we have that foundation of hope and believing that it is possible, we build on that by leaning in to still trusting him. And I know for a lot of you that is a scary thought and maybe something that that you have told yourself, I'll never trust him again because he took my child. Don't give in to those thoughts because placing our trust in God does bring joy. We need that. We have a God who loves us more than we can imagine. Yes, he does. A God who is more powerful than we can comprehend. He is, and who has promised to help us if we put our trust in him. So settle it in your heart that God wants to help you. Psalm 40 verse 4 says, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. You have to get to the place where you choose. I don't understand. I don't understand why he is allowing me to go through this kind of dark pain that's beyond what I can express, that I can put into words. I don't understand it. I'm angry because he didn't stop it. But God, you're bigger. I need you to get me through this. And I'm going to trust you to get me through this. Maybe not trust him to understand the why, but to trust him to get you through and to trust that when you get to heaven and you're with your child, you will understand the why or the why just is not going to matter anymore. Joy flows from a deeply rooted conviction that not only does God cause all things he does, he will cause the horrible things in your life to work together for good. That's a miracle. That's something only God can do. And I didn't know how that was going to happen. It was like, how are you going to do that, God? How are you going to take something as horrible as the death of my child and work it into something good in my life? And he has. And I've known dozens, if not literally hundreds of other perivers who thought the same thing. And when they leaned into trusting God to get them through to the other side of this darkness, that they did discover there were good things on the other side of this. So, like I said, joy flows from a deeply rooted conviction that not only does God cause all things, 
to work out for something good in our lives to those who love him, but also in that joy is a sense of delight that God can cause our heart to smile, even if the things on the outside seem to be falling apart. It's a deep sense of pleasure, delight, gladness and well-being, contentment that is independent of circumstances or what is happening. We know God has the final word, and that final word is good. The final enemy to be defeated is death itself, and that is something to look forward to and get excited about, especially as a way to replace our mourning, our expression of our deep sorrow. Instead of the outward expression of missing our child, we can carry the outward expression of our excitement to see them again, our excitement to know, like it says in the scripture, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? It stings now, but that scripture goes on to say that it is in eternity. It is when we get with Jesus that the sting will be totally eliminated from our lives. And that is something to be happy about. Can you start to see how it is possible for God to give us the oil of joy for our mourning and heavy grief? We can choose joy. Jesus says in John chapter 15 verse 11 that he wants our joy to be full, complete, even overflowing. In John 17 13, we read that Jesus wants the fullness of his joy to be in us. As I said earlier, and I said last week, joy is on the other side of this darkness. If we don't get it here, we will get it over there when we join our children because death is not the end. It is not the final word for us or for our children. It is possible to have joy and even happiness in your life again. God has joy for you because he has the Holy Spirit for you. It's up to you to want it and to open the door for him to release it into your life, into your soul, from your spirit. It doesn't usually get dumped on us. I wish it was, but it's part of the journey. It's something we grow in. It's a process. Joy is in us because his spirit is in us, but it has to be cultivated and grown like a seed has to be nourished to grow. It's a seed in us. It is something that grows a little at a time, just like a seed that's been planted in the ground. And I find it interesting that Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. To me, that shows it's a seed planted in our heart that we have to grow and cultivate. Growth happens a little at a time. It's so slow that you don't even see it happening. But at some point, we suddenly notice that growth has happened, that joy is growing in our lives. It's something we reach for, we cultivate it, we nourish it based on a choice of wanting and needing to have this back in my life. And we can even have it at a new level that we've never experienced before. We get to choose what we believe. I can either believe those who say I will never be better, that it will always be this dark and painful, that life will be horrible until I die. Or I can choose to believe those who have been in that same place where I have been, where you have been, 
but tell me and say that it will get better and that there are things we can do to help us get to that place. Whichever one we choose to believe, I guarantee that you are going to look for evidence to support what you believe. You are going to look for evidence that you are always going to stay in this darkness. You are always going to miss your child in a way that paralyzes you, that you cannot live life. You cannot have meaning and purpose in your life. You'll never be happy again. You're going to look for the evidence to support that. But if you choose to believe that somehow, I, I don't know how, but Laura's done it. She's telling me I can do it. She's telling me other people can do it. I've heard from other perivers who have gotten there. Somehow, I can get there too. And you will start looking for evidence to support that. And that means whatever you look for to support what you believe is the direction you're going to go. That makes sense, right? I want to read a scripture to you that the Lord led me to it this morning, like within an hour of recording this. It's in Galatians 5, and I'm going to start with verse 16, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things, now this says that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. That my friends, is quite the verse. (laughs) That to me is incredible because what this is telling me is exactly what I'm talking about. If I choose to give into my flesh, if I choose to give into and wallow in and I want to be a victim of what has happened to me, a victim of the fact that my child died, if I give into that, then it conflicts with the spirit who is in me that is craving to set me free from that. The Holy Spirit is craving to give me joy and peace back in my life again. And this is these two things are fighting in us. And when we choose to give in to the soul, when we choose to give in to wanting and, and staying in that place of darkness, it keeps the Holy Spirit from being able to set us free and to bring that joy and the things that we so desperately need into our lives after the death of our child. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, when you yield to that seed of joy that is in you through the Holy Spirit, when you lean into the spirit instead of leaning into the soul and the flesh, you feed your spirit instead of feeding your soul. You feed yourself strength and hope instead of feeding your, your soul darkness and depression. It's going to change everything. And eventually, and I, I know it says you will no longer be living under the law. And I believe that's the law of sin and death the death that happens in us when our child dies, but you will be soaring above it. And I know it's like, I'll never soar again, but you might. You just might. You never know. You never know the depth and the height that God wants to take each one of us. 
So if you want to have joy in your life again, you have to choose to want it and to choose to believe it's possible. It's up to us to capture those thoughts and to hang on to them and surround ourselves with others who not only believed it themselves, but have lived out the proof of it. We have to choose to lean into the Holy Spirit, like I said, and what He has for us more than we lean into our soul and the pain that we are feeling and the death and the destruction that the enemy wants to continue heaping onto us. In John chapter 16, verse 20, we read where Jesus was telling his disciples that they will have intense pain and they will weep when he's no longer with them. Let me read some of this to you. I was talking to a group of preavers the other day about these verses in John 16. Let me just turn to that and read it to you. So I'm in John 16, verse 20. And once again, I am going to read this from the Passion Translation. Jesus says, let me make it quite clear. You will weep and be overcome with grief over what happens to me. But know this, your sadness will turn into joy when you see me again. So will you also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I'm taken from you. But you will see me again and then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it from you. Whoa, that just really, it does so much to my spirit. First of all, when we compare it to the loss of our child, I mean, it's, it's okay. Jesus is saying you will have intense grief and sorrow. You will weep. You will cry because you hurt so much when I'm gone. But then your joy will be just as intense when you see me again. I mean, just to compare it with how we feel about our children. Like I said, it just does something to me so deeply. It's so encouraging to me that Jesus would actually acknowledge the fact that when someone dies that we love deeply, that there is a deep, intense sorrow and pain. I'm so glad that Jesus told us this. Jesus told us that it's okay to feel the deep sorrow and intense pain when someone we love dies. I think that's very precious that he did that for us. Just like love and peace, we can walk in a measure of those here. But just like Jesus said, when you see me again, your joy will be full and no one will be able to take it from you. It will be a permanent and full joy, just like our children are experiencing right now. We only get a measure of those things here, but we will have the fullness of all of it when we get to heaven. There's a measure of love, a measure of peace. There's a measure of joy that we can walk in here, but the fullness of it will be when we join our children. It'll be joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is joy on the other side of our pain, but you don't have to wait for the fullness of it to have any, because right now, God wants to give you the oil of joy for your mourning. May your shattered heart be filled with that oil of his joy. Many of you know that since February of this year, I have been on a health journey. I recently did a live webinar called Hope for Your Health After Child Loss. Now, if you missed it, the replay is no longer available, but you can still catch the summary of what I shared by going to gpshope.org 
slash health. And you can just read through that page there and see what you think about it. See if it's something that just kind of tugs at your heart. If you're in the same place that I was when I started this health journey that I am now on. I have also started a group that is just for bereavers who want to have others to connect with, who are working toward becoming more healthy after letting ourselves go in our place of grief. We just don't care. We don't take care of ourselves. And then our body kind of starts to turn on us about the time that we do care. <laughs> and so I, I wanted us to be able to connect with each other. I didn't want it to be a Facebook group. So it is on what is called Group Me, G-R-O-U-P-M-E, Group Me. It is a phone app, but you can also use it on your computer. And it doesn't have to be a smartphone to be able to be involved in the chat. You can't do pictures and those kinds of things. But even if you don't have a smartphone, you can be part of this group. We can chat. We can share tips. We can share recipes. We can ask each other questions. We can share our victories and our struggles and cheer each other on. I think it's good to have a place where we understand the extra struggle it is to move toward health within the ups and downs and the dates and the things that are now just part of our lives within the grief of losing our child here from earth. So if you would like to be part of that group, you're going to have to let me know by sending me an email so that I can get you connected in there. So let me know. Send an email to laura, L-A-U-R-A, at gpshope.org. Just let me know you want to be part of that group me, part of that that health group for perivers, and I'll get you in there. Let's go ahead and move to our birthday segment. Dustin Clements was born on October 26 and left us at age 21. Dawson Morris was born on October 29th and left us at age 19. Donise Vaughn was born on October 29th and left us at age 30. Marissa Diaz was born on October 29th and left us at age 20. Kyle Samuel Donnelly was born on October 29th and left us at age 21. We do celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. It will always be a special day and worth celebrating. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's a form to fill out, including the pronunciation so that I can say their name correctly if sometimes it's mispronounced just by looking at it and just submit that information and I will announce your child the week of his or her birthday and Dave will send you an email to remind you to listen that week. If you would like to share with me your thoughts on what I shared today or any of the podcasts that you hear, I would love to hear from you. Just go to gpshope.org slash podcast slash 182. This is episode 182. It'll send you to where the podcast is on our website, and there's a place where you can leave your comments. Or if that's too confusing, just go to gpshope.org, click on the tab that will take you to the podcast. All the podcasts were there. Just click on the podcast that you want to comment on, 
and leave me your comment. I would love to hear from you. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes. Before I close, I would like to pray over you. Father, we want and we need joy back in our lives. Many of us don't see how that's even possible. But I pray that after listening to what I shared today, that hope is rising up in them. Hope that if it happened for others, that maybe it can happen for them as well. And it's comforting to know, God, that you are not telling us that we are not supposed to grieve. You're not replacing that grief and the pain of missing our child with joy. But you want to take away our need for the outward expression of our pain. And you want to replace it with your very own spirit of joy in us. Lord, we don't have to know how. I thank you for that. We just have to be open to the possibility and allow you to be at work behind the scenes in our darkness. And Lord, show us how each one of us can cultivate and nourish that and lean in to the spirit of joy, the oil of joy that is in us instead of leaning into the pain in our soul of missing our child. Lord, we know this is going to be a an in and out thing, a constant up and down, but Lord, help us with this. We're just calling out, crying out to you for help. May each one listening have a day in their near future, God, when they can see the fruit of your joy, your spirit of joy at work in their lives. And I pray this in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus who made this possible. Amen. Let me just end by speaking over you the verse that GPS Hope stands on, which is Romans 15. I usually share it in a different version, but I'm in the Passion Translation, so I'm going to read it from here. Now, may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in you, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There really is hope.